0: The United States may have been able to pull off what China could not earlier this year in getting Pacific leaders to sign onto an all-inclusive partnership agreement, but a New Zealand academic says more analysis is needed to determine just how much of the eight hundred and ten million US dollars in additional funds is actually going to reach Pacific Island countries. Fifteen Pacific Island states and territories co signed the partnership agreement with the US President Joe Biden last week the scope of which covers everything from climate change to the U.S. Compact for Free Association and the TUNA Treaty. Joining me to break down some of the rhetoric is Victoria University Wellington Professor of Political Science and International Relations, John Franco. Kia ora, John, and welcome back on Pacific Waves. What are your first impressions of the U.S. Pacific Partnership Agreement?
1: Well, it's good to hear that the, the United States is keen to re-engage in the region and there are Uh, Some aspects of the package that are certainly of of interest to the Pacific Island states. But over the last few years, uh, a a lot of us who observe the Pacific have got used to uh, step ups and resets and uh, uplifts and uh, re-engagements and uh, big announcements of big aid packages. And it is... One needs to go in carefully and look at the detail of what exactly is being offered here. I mean, let's remember that uh, uh, 10 years ago, 11 years ago in uh, 2011, there was a lot of hoo-ha about uh, uh, President Barack Obama's uh, pivot to the Asia Pacific. And this was also going to bring large amounts of new uh, USAID. The US was going to re-engage with the Pacific Island region. What amounted as as a result of that? Really, the uh, USAID office in Port Moresby was the major consequence for the Pacific Islands. And I see in this package, they're talking about a similar USAID office now to be set up in Suva. People sometimes also mention the troop deployment to Darwin, but that's a deal with Australia, which isn't uh, directly connected. um, It's not part of the Pacific Islands region that we're talking about here. So uh, while the aid package is to be, um, you know, it's, it's positive that the U.S. Is, is is seeking to put more assistance into the region, uh, we should remember that uh, last time that didn't necessarily amount to that much.
0: I must say it's it's a very lengthy document for a short period of time to be put together and has elements of, of other regional documents that we've seen in, in recent weeks and months. Um, any particular aspects of it that stand out for you as, as to raising further questions that probably need a bit more clarification?
1: Well, certainly, I think that of the 810 million announced, if you look carefully, three quarters of that 600 million are uh, going assistance to the uh, Tuna Treaty. Uh, now, this relates to uh, a long running dispute that's occurred between the United States and the South Pacific countries about access to uh, uh, to, uh, for for U.S. uh, tuna trawlers uh, in the Pacific. The the U.S. walked out on a previous agreement in in 2016 and then negotiated a deal that provided uh, uh, some funds um, about 70 million Per annum and if you look at the, the six hundred million it 's over ten years, so divide that by ten that 's sixty million it 's not a major change from what they were giving before, although we, one does need to look carefully at the detail of this now personally i wouldn 't call that aid it 's an access agreement it's it 's a, a, a negotiated uh, arrangement with the forum fisheries association and others that give a priority access to u.s vessels um it's not a, a major new commitment of aid
0: china tried to push something like this through right uh at the at the at their recent meeting with the pacific island leaders and they weren't able to get it through you know this go back to the table drawing board talk more about this is, is 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 it fair to compare the china regional agreement with the u.s pacific Regional agreement, as in terms of the the scope and breadth of those documents, side by side.
1: I, I think there are certainly similarities, and uh, Pacific Island leaders, um, including Fiamme in Samoa, have pointed out those similarities. Um, but the, uh, the uh, and in the context of the discussion we've been having about fisheries, let's remember that the Chinese fishing fleet in the Pacific is the largest in the world. It's heavily subsidised. There's been lots of concerns about the the impact of. Chinese fishing, including on the the cannery in American Samoa, remember. Uh, Indeed, French President Emmanuel Macron only last year was talking about this and talking about new steps to uh, counter the uh, rise of Chinese fishing in the Pacific region. So this new agreement, I think we should also see in a similar light.
0: The Compacts of Free Association again mentioned here in this agreement um the us has been trying to fast track those talks uh we saw just a couple of weeks ago actually the marshals pushing back a bit and refusing to meet until they had something in black and white about the 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 treatment of the nuclear legacy about about some resolutions and support in in terms of the health and the acknowledgement of the 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 harm and the damage caused by that
1: yeah for for years there's been controversies uh about the uh, w- whether or not a change circumstances petition could be put forward that would entail some renegotiation of the original uh, negotiations around compensation for nuclear tests. Normally that's kept separate from the compact negotiations, uh, but from the Marshallese side you can understand that these are two very important streams of potential income and are very important but for the bilateral relations between particularly the Marshalls and, and the United States
0: i see also the the first ever envoy to the pacific islands forum they're saying but also at, at i would like to bring in to mention here as well the fact that French polynesia is listed here as among the signatories and new caledonia that that's problematic on 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 a few fronts is it not
1: well the, the interesting the point you make about the envoy to the pacific islands that was also in the china deal that they were trying to negotiate back in may um on the um uh, a presence, I mean, there's long been a controversy about the presence of uh, New Caledonia and French Polynesia in the Pacific Island Forum and the uh, uh, preparedness to accept their membership, given that in the 1970s, the understanding was that uh, island nations would only become members once they were decolonized. It was supposed to be a forum for those who had already secured independence. Um, uh, I know Australia and New Zealand pushed very strongly for the uh, um, uh, inclusion of uh, French Polynesia and New Caledonia as full members, uh, and the altered geostrategic context, the competition with China was an important factor in that decision uh, uh, as well. Um, But it does raise some issues for the forum that will come up again and again.
0: Going back to this, this specific agreement, Apart from the details and unpacking it all, how fast do we know how fast this is going to be rolled out? I mean, when can Pacific Islanders start to see some of the impact of this document in their lives?
1: It's supposed to be an agreement that lasts over 10 years, or a lot of it is, and and it hasn't yet been signed off by the U.S. Congress. So uh, there's still quite a lot of steps to be taken. And uh, I think it's only supposed to start in 2023. And we know that all aid donors often, you know, you get these big commitments, whether it be China, Australia, New Zealand or the U.S. or whoever. You, you often get a major difference between what's budgeted and what's committed and what's promised and what's actually spent. And that's sometimes because it's difficult to set the projects up on the ground, Uh, sometimes because priorities change. uh, It's certainly worth exploring the actuals rather than the budgeted figure.
0: Probably worth mentioning, um, there was some press around leaked leaked correspondence suggesting that there was things to work out within 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 this deal. Solomon Islands was named as someone that was kind of resisting some of the things that were in this document. Um getting, getting it over the line, quite, quite a big, big deal for, from the U.S. perspective in terms of getting all these signatories on board.
1: Yes, yes. And the, but the Solomon Islands does seem to have changed its position. There was a leaked internal memo that suggested that they weren't going to sign up to this. And, of course, that's in the context of the China security deal back in April and the more recent announcement that they uh, weren't going to let um Foreign vessels refuel at Solomon Island ports, but uh, Sogavari attended the meeting and he put his name to the to the document here in Wellington. Foreign Minister Jeremiah Manelli was speaking last night and also echoed that um, preparedness of the government to ratify the deal. As far as I know, Teneti Mamau from Kiribati did not attend, though. Uh, so that's uh, 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 certainly a factor for the US. I note that the. Um, Three embassies that they say will be established are in Solomon Islands and Kiribati, the two countries that switched diplomatic recognition from Taiwan to China in 2019. And the third one is in Tonga, which is the country that the Pacific country that is in the in, is most heavily indebted to, to China. Uh, so there's no accident there. One can see clearly what the intention is here. Um, but um for the US to have an enhanced diplomatic um, representation in the Pacific, I think is nevertheless to be welcomed.